What's up, champs? Welcome back to the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me as never, my pal and yours, Elon Dubrovsky, host of Keeping Carlson. Elon, my friend, how are you this fine evening? What's up, Ben? Yeah, Lewis is celebrating an early Thanksgiving. And hey, this is a never. We had a couple great shows over at the start of the season. But yeah, it's been a little while. Looking forward to doing a show with you. This is going to be a blast. I you're right. And we did I think we've only done the one this season. You and I you, you did a few with Lewis, but I just felt like I, I had to go all or none with it, you know? Like <laughs> sure. I'm always saying Lewis is always with me, so I got to say, you know, just for the I I guess I'm retconning you out of the episode that we did together earlier this season. Honestly, like uh with this fantasy hockey stuff, it's like anything that happened 2 weeks ago, we might as well forget about it because everything changes so much by the time you do the next show, including a bunch of things that I talked about literally 2 days ago on Sunday night. I've got like a list of like seven things that are now out of date so i want to give people the updates if if i can do so i will i will cede the floor to you elon you go ahead and tell people where uh where you steered them wrong the other night i don't want to say i steered them wrong (laughs) i just want to say that things have changed things have shifted in the landscape Mm. and now my opinions have also changed a little bit you wish that you knew now what you knew that then you knew now yeah, I mean, if I could predict the future, I'd be much better at this, trust me. But, uh, you know, we're, I, I'm at least able to see the present and adapt, okay? So some things that happened since that last show, uh, we talked in net about, like, Philip Grubauer, and I was talking about how terrible he is and how for sure, like, Washington's going to blow him up. So obviously he ended up having a nice game against the Caps. He stopped 37 of 39 shots, so a 949 save percentage. That was his first game with a save percentage over 900 since, like, the beginning of the month. Like, it was, like, six in a row of just bad, bad, bad. So I don't know. At the time, I was saying maybe you should drop Grubauer. That was a couple days ago. Now it's not like it was bad advice. And let's see, like you know, the resilience of a goalie is like if he can be able to actually string together a bunch of good starts in a row. But if he was dropped to free agency by someone else, I don't know. Now maybe he becomes a little bit more interesting because at the same time, maybe he just needed the confidence of a good start. And who knows what he can do? So. You know, whatever. That's just an update. I got to jump in on this one. I feel like my strategy usually when talking about goalies is to try and avoid saying something that I might take back based on one game worth of results and i feel like you weren't like out there being like philip grubauer will never have a good game again and mm. i will i could put my name on it like put it on my tombstone or whatever yeah that's fair no i mean all i'm saying is that if it was me and i had dropped him and now he was still in free agency i'd be tempted to pick it up because he still is a starting goalie and i'm i'd be curious to see if now he could start stringing together you know multiple starts no guarantee but anyways okay also by the way jordan binnington is someone who had been struggling we said on the show how Vili huso might be interesting especially in the short term since huso had been doing so well i was wondering if maybe huso would even get this the monday start but he didn't binnington got the start and he played well so now i like i still like huso as a spot start next time he plays but you know uh, my thoughts of Maybe like Huso getting a little bit of a run. Obviously, there's a little bit of a halt there because Bennington had a good game. So that's a net. Um, I talked about how Jamie Drysdale's been off the top power play in Anaheim and actually off of both power plays. And instead, Hampus Lindholm had been there. But yeah, on Monday's game, Drysdale got back on that power play. He even scored a goal. He had six shots. So when I said that Jamie Drysdale no longer has interest to in me if he's not on a power play, obviously now he's back to having the same interest to in me that he had before. Uh, we talked about in Carolina how Teo Teravainen was off of that line with Aho and Svechnikov. He was on like a line with less appealing people. And so, of course, then the next day that changed. And Teravainen was back on the good line. And I believe he also scored a goal 
Um, he got an assist. Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is on a Tony D'Angelo goal. We also talked about how great Tony D'Angelo has been. So he's kept that up. Oh, and Seth Jarvis. So both, some things were right. But yeah, so now obviously Tara Vine, and if he was dropped in your league, he's more interesting to me by a lot if he's playing with Aho versus not playing with Aho. Uh, this is a smaller thing. I talked about how Andreas Janssen had been bumped from the Bratton Mercer line in the last New Jersey game. You're and getting Jaren... so <laughs> into the weeds on this. Well, I, I want to make sure everyone's being... up to speed. I think you're being way too hard on yourself. I'm not being hard on myself. <laughs> I'm just trying trying to help people all right uh, I'm not. I'm not saying this as like you know, throw tomatoes at me. I just want to make sure people are up to date with the last thing they heard from me. I want it to be good advice. So I was saying like, I just think it sounds like you're being like, and here's another thing where I like, no. I, I shouldn't have said this or like. I feel great, Ben. I'm I drinking like my 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 no name beer. It's delicious. I'm standing up for you. Is all I'm trying to mm-hmm. get across here. You, everything that you you are coming to to update now. It's like I feel like it's barely changed. All right, fair enough. Okay, babies, I was saying that I was excited about Sharon Govich playing with Bratton Mercer after his good game. But in the latest practice lines today, he's back in the bottom six and Janssen is there. So maybe don't rush to grab Sharon Govich. Uh, Troy Terry, this isn't anything. Boy, his point streak ended. I was talking about how like it will be exciting to see who will get a longer point streak between McDavid and Troy Terry. Well, Troy Terry's is over and McDavid, I guess, is playing today. We'll see how he does. I think he'll probably get a point if I had to guess. Uh, in Tampa Bay, we brought up Braden Point and it was like brand new, fresh news that Braden Point was injured. Uh, now it turns out we've gotten update he's gonna be out four to six weeks so this is like i guess new fantasy news tampa's playing today it's not bothering them so far right they're winning four nothing against philly have they chased carter hart yet i guess we'll find out but yeah ben uh do you have any takes about like what tampa's gonna be like now without Braden point already also without kucherov uh not really i think that my main takeaway from today is just it's good to see the stamkos line also produce because i think the other day it was all the sorelli calorn and uh, Palat line, or sorry, it's not Palat on that line, is it? Well, I'm seeing today. Anyways, who knows what it's, it was? It's a day Matthew ago. Joseph. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, and now now we're seeing a lot of Stamkos and uh, and Barre Boulet. Right, yeah, and Palat is on the Stamkos line, uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. I guess Tampa will probably play around with it, even though after today, maybe they'll decide they've landed on the winning combination. Uh, okay. I think that's it. I think now I've gotten you up to speed on all the things that I wanted to correct. Or not correct, but just give updates on from the last episode. So let's go with some more short shifts. All right, let's start with a really short one and just talk about how you should have your eyes on the COVID list tomorrow, you know, keeping your uh, keeping your brain dialed into the Twitter sphere. Lula Morello says he spoke to the league Tuesday after the Islanders announced another COVID positive player. They have not canceled any games yet, but the Islanders do have three the rest of this week. Right now they have Josh Bailey, Anders Lee, Adam Pellick, Andy Green, Ross Johnston, Kiefer Bellows, and Zdeno Chara all now on the COVID list. And additionally, they announced Brock Nelson is out two to four weeks and Ryan Pollock is still out for another four to six. So I don't know, Elon. It seems like a very weak team on Long Island. They've been getting blown out. Uh, the advanced stat folks who had started to believe in the Islanders on Twitter are now starting to be like, oh, maybe we were right the first time. And we're starting to get a lot of questions about Semyon Varlamov, whether folks should be letting go of Varlamov. I kind of want to I want to get you to jump in here. What are you thinking about the Islanders goaltenders? Well, yeah, the tricky thing is, imagine if now they have postponed games like the Sens did last week, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. after people had held on to Varlamov and Sorokin for all those weeks when the Islanders only played once, and for like Varlamov, he had a couple weeks with like literally no games. What if now mm-hmm. you have to wait another week, and in the meantime, his last three starts have all been below 900 save percentages? So that said, we just saw like with Grubauer that you know a goalie could turn things around, and obviously I have a lot more faith in Varlamov than I do in Grubauer. So before long, Varlamov will have good starts. Like I had 
don't have too much doubt. And I think that the Islanders obviously need to be healthy to be at their best capacity. Like it's going to hurt a team when you're missing so many players. And like, you know, Anders Lee and some other people were already missing in the last couple of games. So uh, all that said, I don't know, it'd be tough. Like if, oh, we had a question on Twitter of someone asking if they should drop Varlamov for... I don't even remember who it was for, but it was like saying it was a league where it's mostly about volume. Like it's just like wins and saves are counted and not as much rates. Like if you're in a situation like that, it's going to be tough holding a Varlamov who's maybe only going to play one out of every three games or maybe two out of every three games in one week. So I don't know if you drop him. Obviously, it depends how deep your league is, but maybe you try to find a trade. But it's obviously no fun when the team isn't as good and the goalie isn't playing as well. And like he's a Varlamov is someone who normally I wouldn't be interested in a tandem guy. He's like a rare tandem guy I would have wanted going into the season just because his numbers were so sterling. And now that he's not putting up amazing numbers, it's like, why do, why do I have this guy? You know, it's, it's like uh, having Allmark or, you know, Swayman. Like even when Swayman's doing well, we're like thinking to ourselves, like, is Swayman really worth holding because he's only going to play 50% of the game? So how's Varlamov any different? Yeah, I mean, it ain't no fun when the Varley can't have none uh, starts, that is. I'm playing <laughs> yeah. the uh, Brian Comroll of this episode. Um, yeah, I think that the answer to that is you can drop Semyon Varlamov in most leagues. Obviously, you know, in deeper leagues or places where you are going to struggle to find any goaltender, then you're probably holding on tight, because I agree with you, Varlamov will turn it around at some point. But in leagues where, like, starters hit the waiver wire sometimes or you know the more i think 12 14 team leagues there are leagues where varlamov is droppable just because anyone who is who would have thought about picking him up is going to go check his game log see how few games he's playing and then not want to pick him up because of his season-long numbers whereas i think one thing i've been i've really noticed this year elon is goaltending uh, and getting the right goaltender is all basically timing right like you just need to have a spot in your roster open up right when a goalie is about to go on a good run you start to see them getting starts you're like all right i'll give this guy a shot that's like basically in points leagues how you get a a usable long-term goalie is you just kind of luck into it eventually and i feel like the best advantage you have to get lucky on something like that is to own the other goalie in the tandem because then it's like okay there's a back-to-back coming up in two days i'm gonna add varlamov now because i i know that i'm gonna want him in here everyone else is like well i don't want to add him today and have him not start until the second half of the back-to-back and i have a lot of players going on that day anyway so like maybe i'll i'll take my time and see like what you know I, i think that's what it is right if you own sorokin i would not be that afraid of dropping varlamov for all of the reasons i've said so far yeah, first of all, I like that impression of, like, the doofs who aren't grabbing Varlamov. Right? Uh, but also, yeah, it also depends for sure. Like, you know, maybe some people who've been holding Varlamov have missed out on Jake Ettinger or mm. Stuart Skinner. Like, some of these, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you could call them exciting players of the week, but some of them might actually turn into season-long holds, depending on how things go. So, yeah, you definitely want to make sure you're not snoozing on a goalie who's only going to play half the games, and if he's not going to be as amazing. Like, Varlamov's, you know, in his 30s, right? At some point, he's going to slow down. I'm not saying that this is happening now, but something to watch. Anyway, by the way, I have one more thing I wanted to bring up, actually. On Sunday's show, we <laughs> talked about uh, John Klingberg and how he's been on this crazy long cold streak, right? He only had four points in 13 games going into today. Already uh, two power play assists today for Klingberg. So maybe the thing with Kevin Carlson is if we're talking about a snoozer and you're listening to us and being like, oh, they're saying that this player might be droppable, keep in mind that you need to give it like one or two days after the show for the player to have heard it and then been like, oh, I'll show them and then turn things around. Because clearly Klingberg was just listening 
listening and decided, okay, now's my chance to prove to Elon and Brian that actually I am worth holding in fantasy leagues. And obviously you would be really bummed if you dropped him and lost out on two power places today. All right, Elon, we have to get into a couple of outjuries. Ricard Raquel, the, the Raquel f- off the shelf, back after missing 10 games due to injury, <laughs> picks up right where he left off, scoring a goal on five shots. He now has five goals and zero assists in nine games, got the Cy Young numbers looking good. That's just a 46-point pace because he obviously isn't getting in whatsoever because his teammates aren't really converting. Uh, in the same game, though, Adam Henrique went down with an injury, which opens a space on the Ducks' top line. Raquel spent some time up there. They cycled through a few options. Sonny Milano had a shot. I am curious to see who might fit there. Um, but uh, the unfortunately with the Ducks, they don't have a beat writer who updates their lines, so we probably won't find out until like 20 minutes before their next game. Yeah, I guess the lines will be important. It's too bad because I kind of liked the situation of Raquel with Milano and Zgrass and then, you know, the Henrik Troy Terry gets laugh line that's been so hot. Uh, so now I guess things have to get shaken up. Uh, but yeah, I think Raquel in, in either spot is pretty good, right? Because I'm still pretty high on Trevor Zgrass. Like maybe he's not going to have this like amazing, like, you know, over point per game season, but he's definitely a solid centerman and he seems to be finding his game. Right? He has six points in his last four games. So Zgrass has been heating up. And so I would be happy for Raquel to play with him as opposed to like in previous seasons where Raquel seems like a good player and he just doesn't play with anyone who could feed him the puck so he can score a goal or vice versa so yeah I think that either way I'm interested in Raquel but regardless on if he plays with Zgrass or now if he plays with Troy Terry and Ryan Getzlaff either way I'd want him in my lineup and also I think in a deeper league it's time to start looking at Sonny Milano right he keeps getting points every now and then and I feel like we just all scoff and say like no I'm not going to add Sonny Milano come on but at some point you just have to be like dude the guy has 10 points in his last 13 games I think that's probably someone you want to have on your team while he's playing also with Zgrass who I'm really into. Yeah, and I think that in particular, the uh, the Ducks, Dallas Eakins seems to really like the Zegris-Milano pairing and the same way that he really likes the Terry-Getzlaff pairing. So I kind of feel like those are your two anchors on line one and line two. I definitely, uh, I, I am into Zegris. I mentioned him, I think, on a, an episode of the show last week and talking about how his goals were not going to be able to sustain because he, he wasn't shooting nearly enough to to maintain the goal pace that he was on. But that's where I really like an addition like Ricard Raquel to his line. Zegris known, you know, he's going to be able to score and distribute very well. He's he's just one of those playmakers who's going to put up a ton of points when he's in his prime. But it's really nice for him to get a shooter like Ricard Raquel. And it's amazing for Raquel to get a centerman like Zegris who can who can pass him the puck and make these plays. So I agree. That's a that's a really nice pairing to see. And I'm I'm optimistic about the Ducks offense moving forward. I can't believe that we're at this point. 20 games into the season, but we definitely are. Uh, Elon, I said we were going to get to two outjuries, but let's take a quick break before we get to the second. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back, champs and champinos. We are back for one more outjury, and we're heading over to Cleveland, Ohio. No, that's a lie. We're going to Columbus, Ohio. This is your weekly geography update. Uh, Three points for Max Domi in his second game back from the COVID list. Uh, Domi now has seven points in six games, Elon, for a 90-plus point pace, just like we all expected, especially (laughs) once we realized he was going to be on line three with Hoffman and Roslovic. I'm going to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Elon. Do you know Hoffman's first name off the top, off the top of your headman? <laughs> well, all these puns today. It's Gregory. Of course, everyone knows Gregory. All right. I always get it mixed up with Gabby. I always just think of Gabby. Anyway, 
I don't even know who that is. Who's Gabby Hoffman? Uh, actress from the 90s. Okay. Um, he also started the game on PowerPlay 2, but earned a promotion mid-game, which is something worth keeping your eye on, I guess. How does Max Domi keep scoring, though, Elon? Do you buy this? Like, he's not playing any minutes. I don't understand how this keeps happening. I keep almost being like, yeah, he's worth this. No, he's only playing 10 minutes. But it's like he's always good when he pl- No, it's uh, what's going on? I mean, to be fair, he's got seven points in six games. Two, six of those seven points are from just like a one goal and two assist game in his first game of the year, and now a one goal and two assist game in his latest game. And those were against Arizona and Buffalo. So I'm not sure how much credit mm. I'm going to give to like Max Domi's, <laughs> like the most amazing guy in the world now. Uh, but that said, obviously I blew it yesterday because I wanted to stream someone in in tier one of the couple, and I chose Cole Sillinger, the person who got bumped by Max Domi from that top power play. So I clearly made the wrong choice. Sillinger did nothing in that game. I was just like still on high from recording the show show and we were talking about how great Voracek was doing so I was like okay well Sillinger's playing with Voracek he's on the top power play that's probably someone I should grab anyways I'm digressing Max Domi whatever he's like a stream like he's not someone that I'm expecting is gonna like be hot and be point per game for the rest of the year unless you know this promotion to the top power play then yields a promotion you know maybe he also bumps Cole Sillinger from like the line that he's on and now all of a sudden it's Domi playing with Voracek all of a sudden now we're talking right but I think that he still has these defensive deficiencies which leads to coaches not wanting to give him like primo deploymento and in the you know good minutes where you're gonna be able to pick up a lot of offense so i think domi is someone that now he's becoming more interesting to me in terms of if there's a game where i could fit him in i'm gonna give him a try and like you said with the goalies if he has a good game i'm gonna hold on for the next game and see how it goes but it's not like someone now where it's like i'm gonna give him a ton of leash where he's cold again also i'd like to see him put up a multi-point game against a non like basement team and garbage goalie like tokarski who by the way i also was rostering yesterday so it was really fun to have Sillinger and tokarski and where every single player on columbus was blowing up Tokarski except for Cole Sillinger so that was fun I think uh, too to add to your point Elon on on not giving Max Domi top six deployment obviously Columbus is a team that's got some offensive depth issues so if you have a player that you can put on line three and win some of those minutes obviously you're not expecting nobody's expecting Max Domi to put up a 60 plus point pace in like 12 minutes of average time on ice but I mean if you're able to get 40 points out of him in those minutes then you're probably pretty happy so I I totally understand it from that perspective Uh, one other Jackets player that I want to mention shouts out to discord user Makar won't start who asked us to take 15 seconds to say Wierenski is likely the greatest defenseman of all time. Seven points in Zach's last five games, pacing for a career-high 67 points. His underlying numbers aren't even that wild. So I will give a shout-out to Zach Wierenski, who looks like a legit draft steal this year. Yeah, I mean, you can't. At the end of the day, like, you can look at all the you know underlying numbers you want, but the obvious one to me is always just to look at shots. And right now, he's averaging more shots per game than he ever has in his career. He's got fifty-five shots in sixteen games. That's three point four shots per game. That's like not at peak Brent Burns levels, but it's like approaching it. Once you have a defenseman shooting like well over three shots per game, that's someone you really notice. So maybe the fact that Seth Jones is out of there is giving Wierenski more of an opportunity to just—he's the guy who's going to throw all the pucks on net from the blue line but whatever's happening it's working and Wierenski is someone that I really wish I drafted in at least one of my leagues because I don't have him in any and yeah he's crushing it I think that's very clearly a huge part of this right is that from the beginning of Zach Wierenski's time in the NHL he was 
in a tandem on that top unit with Seth Jones, and it was always back and forth, and you never really knew when you were drafting which one was going to end up with the 55% of the power play time versus the 48% of the power play time. So it is nice to see him get the reins, but you're right. Those shots are ridiculous. I would say Jacob Chikrin-esque if we were to compare, and in fact, you compared Jacob Chikrin to uh, Matt Dumba on Sunday night's episode of Keeping Carlson. And I'm going to use that as an opportunity to segue to our next cold streak. And uh, Matt Dumba is a guy who it looked like you were going to be able to call him a super stud about 10, 11 games into the season. He had nine ga- nine points in his first 11. He was shooting like mad. I think he was averaging three shots per game in that swing. And today... Patron Smig called out you and Brian for not giving Dumba proper credit for that hot start. When you look at the full season numbers, though, after he went cold for six straight games, he's now only got 10 points through 18 games, a 46-point pace, which would still be his best year since the injury-shortened 2019 season when he started with 12 goals in 32 games. I think the interesting thing with Dumba is today it was announced Jared Spurgeon is out week to week. And I think most fantasy owners would would start, you know, the, the gears start going, okay, who's going to get the first crack on that unit with Kaprizov, Fiala, if he gets to stay there, you know, uh, Zuccarello. And I think most folks would expect that to be Matt Dumba. Instead, it looks like Minnesota is intent on giving those minutes to Jonas Brodine. So I don't know. It's... It, on the one hand, I want to say Matt Dumba, you know, you get you look at the full season numbers and he's got 10 points through 18 games. Probably he's not going to finish on that 45 point pace, but give him around 40 points, 35, 40 points. And the shots are up this season. But the good news is that with Spurgeon out of the picture, Dumba has played 26 and 28 minutes in the last two games. So maybe we are in for a bit of a Matt Dumba resurgence over the next few weeks, at least in the peripherals department. Yeah, I mean, he started the season, like you said, like a million, like points almost every game for 11 mm-hmm. games. Then he went totally cold, went pointless for six straight games. Now in yesterday's game on Monday, he picked up a power play assist, like you said, 28 minutes. Like, you don't normally see that. Wow. I don't know if Matt Dumba is going to be able to sustain playing this many minutes. Like, we'll have to see now how great a shape this guy is in now that he's going to potentially get this huge role. Uh, so yeah, definitely if he's been dropped after that six-game cold streak, yeah, grab him. I'm also not convinced that that first 11 games is like indicative of like this guy's actually a superstar but at the same time i think that now with spurgeon out even if he's not getting that top power play time he's still getting like a decent amount of power play time like i don't know if the coach might agrees with us that you should just put kaprizov out for like all the power play time that you can it seems like it was pretty 50 50 over these last couple of games or at least like 45 55 so uh, i think that dumbo's going to get his share of the power play time he's going to get a ton of even strength time and like you said he's going to get your peripherals with all that time and maybe some points so he's interesting to me right now uh and probably also for the rest of the year depending on the league but right now especially all right elon we're gonna hop over to another uh couple of players that people were asking keeping carlson questions about on twitter and on discord tons of listener questions about mark shifley and blake wheeler in winnipeg both of whom have really underperformed this season Shifley, I wouldn't call cold right now. He's got four points in his last five, but folks are definitely worried because of the overall slow start. He has just seven points in 12 games, which is a 48-point pace, obviously his lowest in many, many years. His personal shooting percentage is very low. His five-on-five shooting percentage is low. His points participation is low at even strength and on the power play. 
So, I mean, obviously all of these indicators are, are showing that Mark Shifley is going to jump back to, an, to a degree, obviously better than the 48 points he's pacing for. He is shooting a touch less than last year, so I don't expect him to hit that 90-point pace that we saw in 2021, but I think he should be able to get back up to a point per game or so. What do you think about Mark Shifley and, and that like 80-point range? Is that more reasonable to you than, than the 90 you would think so. Like, he's been mm. good for so long. Like, obviously, things are changing. He's got some new line mates. Well, he's playing with Ehlers. Normally, I think the general uh, line mates that Shifley was with over the years has been Wheeler and Connor. And then every once in a while, that would change when Wheeler had to play center. Uh, the thing is also with Winnipeg, okay, they've lost their last three games. They've only scored four goals in their last three games. So obviously, everyone's going to be cold. I'm generally a lot more concerned about a player. If either, like, I'm worried about the team just not being able to score, and that's not really the case for me. I think the Jets will figure it out. Like, they generally have been a high-scoring team. I'm not going to freak out over three low-scoring games. And then, like, you know, if the team is scoring and then the player still isn't getting points, that's obviously concerning in its own right, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So I think Shifley will probably be fine. And I also think that Blake Wheeler is, like, obviously not the same guy that people thought he was when they drafted him, but I'm seeing him, like, getting dropped in leagues. I'm seeing people, like, talking about how they want to, you know, trade him for nothing. Like, this guy's still playing on a line with Dubois and Connor and on the top power play with Dubois, Connor, Shifley, you know. So it's like... It's not as if, like, even if he sucks now, he'll still get points just as a third wheel. But also, I don't think he, like, completely sucks. So I would still expect Wheeler to be a nice free agent pickup for people right now. Like, maybe not a league-winning pickup where he's going to go insane, but his, like, five points in 13 games, that's not going to last. Unless he, like, plays so badly that he ends up getting demoted down the lineup. But assuming he gets this deployment on the line with Kyle Connor, who seems now, like, to be this, like, huge superstar. If he's playing with Connor and even strengthened on the power play, he's going to be getting some points. So... I feel like Wheeler is maybe getting overly dropped in leagues, and I'm not meaning to shame anyone who dropped him. Like, yeah, he's definitely not the 70-point guy anymore, but I think that you should take a look in your free agency if he's there and compare him to the bottom rostered player on your team and see if maybe you can get a little steal there. Yeah, I don't think that, like, if you've dropped Blake Wheeler and you're not able to get him back, that it's going to ruin your season or anything. You know what I mean? Like, um, if you look at the underlyings, his his shooting percentages are also very low. He has no goals on 28 shots, career low shooting percentage at 5 on 5, uh, low point percentages. Um, not to the same extent as Shifley, and I think that that's very clear that he's not going to bounce back to that degree as well, right? Like, I think that we could be looking at, like, a 60-65 point player, which sounds ridiculous, I think, to a lot of folks probably who have dropped him because they've given up. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who last year and and the year before paced for 75 points, right? So we are seeing a decline. I agree that the decline is happening, but I am not just dropping him uh, in deep leagues. If you're in a shallow league, though, and you're, you're streaming him out for a guy who's also a 65 to 70 point player, as I think a lot of sharper players probably are, I don't think that, like like you said earlier, like it's definitely not a shameful drop or anything like that. Yeah, I think that like a lot of people fall prey to like trading a player, giving up on a player when they're not getting points, which that's how it goes, right? But like, I feel like you want to check to see the team, right? Like if the team is struggling, then maybe give it some time, wait for the team to have a good game. Like Winnipeg's next game is against Columbus in a couple days, it looks like. So, or tomorrow, I'd be curious to see what Winnipeg does against the Blue Jackets. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I mean, just Winnipeg doesn't strike me as a team that's going to just be like a low scoring one and two goal per game team i think they're going to start scoring again like their previous three games they scored five four and three goals and then you know all of our friends were getting some points so we'll see what happens over the next week all our buddies in winter peg <laughs> 
Uh, Elon, we have just one more shift to get to on tonight's show, and it's somebody who I'm very excited to bring up with you because, as you mentioned, you have been on the show with me once before, and you gave a very scorching hot take. You told me that Rasmus Dalin would definitely be dropped in Tier 1 of the Cupful and likely many other leagues this year. And he is our last hot streak player of the game. Six points in Dalin's last five, up to 12 in 18. A 55-point pace on the year. That's up from 34-point pace last year. Elon, are you ready to take back your Rasmus Dalin hot take, or are you sticking <laughs> with it? Okay, well, first of all, if you're calling it a hot take, like, you can't say that I gave a hot take, but then also said it's definitely going to happen, right? Like, I thought, like, that was my hot take of the year, saying this is an unlikely thing that I personally think might happen. So, but yeah, obviously... Sounds more like a bold prediction than a hot take. It was like a bold... Exactly. It was a bold prediction. Uh, okay. And, you know... The thing that I got wrong here, like, definitely, I'd never really doubted Dalian's talent. Like, I've been saying on the show for a while that Dalian's a great player. It's just, like, I didn't expect Buffalo to be the type of team that's going to be scoring four goals game in and game out. Like, they've just totally shocked me. I had a lot of bad takes, right? Like, I thought Jeff Skinner was going to continue to be useless, and he's actually been somewhat solid. I definitely My didn't boy. think... <laughs> I didn't think Tage Thompson and Rasmus Asplund, like, all these people who are putting up decent point totals, like, it's just Buffalo's not the team I expected them to be. And then, obviously, yeah, they're the number one defense going to do a lot better so good job Darlene I think if I had him I'd still be tempted to maybe try to sell depending on what I can get just because I'm always nervous that the shoe's going to drop and like all of a sudden you know like on those cartoons where the coyote like goes over the cliff and he's able to stand on the air until he starts to realize that he's not standing on solid ground anymore and then he falls I wonder if the sabers like look around the locker room and are like wait a minute who who's on this team how are we scoring so many goals and then all of a sudden it all falls apart uh so I don't know. I'd still be a little bit nervous about that. But at the same time, Darlene's a super talented player. And I'm really happy for him that it's not going to be another wasted season in his young career. Because last year was a total bummer. He fell down to a 34-point pace. Right now, he's pacing for what he was doing the year before in 2019-20, pacing for around 55. My guess is it won't last, but I really hope it does. And I'm definitely not concerned about my take not doing well. I would much prefer that Darlene continue and have a really strong career. Hey, it's going to be all right, buddy. You'll get other takes in the future. Um, I mean, even as you say that, though, I'm looking through the uh, looking through the Frozen Tools pages at, at some of the Sabres players you're mentioning. Like, Jeff Skinner is having a, a nice bounce-back season, pacing for 45 points. Rasmus Asplund, pacing for 50. I think he has, like, one point in his last five games. Like, he, he's struggling, too. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, there's not going to be this many goals all season for Buffalo, that's for sure. The question, I think what has surprised us all is that there's a modicum of decency there. They're, they're not that bad, and we all expected it to be a huge disaster. And yeah. if you're going to be stapled to a top unit on a team that doesn't suck, then you're probably going to be rosterable for large swaths of the season. So, uh Shouts out to Delete. Yeah, and by the way, you say that it's not a disaster. We're talking offensively. Defensively and in net, it has not been good over the yeah. last couple of games. Aaron <laughs> Dell and Tokarski have fallen apart. I didn't expect that I'd be saying this, like, leading into a week before December, but, like, they really need Craig Anderson <laughs> to get healthy. <laughs> otherwise, I don't know how they're going to win any games. It's like I said on week two or three of short shifts this season where Craig Anderson is going to have to hold up and... uh the defense is going is looking pretty decent, but the, can the goaltending stick with it? And that's been the issue, right? 
Anderson goes down. They don't have decent backups. And honestly, when Anderson comes back, as we kind of, you know, we kind of implied with our reaction to to it earlier, like we're not feeling that great about Craig Anderson when he gets back either, I think. Yeah, the interesting thing is, is Buffalo going to try to get a goalie like a normal team would do if they cared about winning? Or are they just going to have it as a throwaway season? Like, we don't care if we're getting bad goaltending because we're going for, like, they're already overperforming. They need to, like, lose a bit more so that they could get in the running for the first overall pick. Yeah, signs point to no. <laughs> um, Elon, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a long shift. I'm sure folks are going to enjoy hearing you in their podcast feed in the morning. Uh, to those who are listening, thank you so much. Be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson and Dave Betton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. And you can always visit the great sites we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat trick and cuckupful.com our intro and outro music was created by pat roach and until we see you next time play smart and keep those shifts short you're saying this was a long shift yeah we just started <laughs>